we're carrying on in our Nehemiah rebuilding series. Danny uh, and Ken have launched us off in this. We're talking about the context is the, the rebuilding, the reconstruction of the, the city of Jerusalem after exile of God's people. But we're also recognizing it's an opportunity for God to rebuild our lives. And so today we, we pick up the story. We look at the rebuilding of our mission. I think it's so appropriate this morning that we look at these words together. Um, Nehemiah is arriving in Jerusalem uh, from the place where he's grown up all his life in exile in a city called Susa in Babylon. 13 years he's arriving after Ezra the priest has returned with the first wave of returning exiles. They began to rebuild the temple, but the work has slowed and stopped. The people are as broken down as their walls and their city. He's had a three-month journey, I don't know, 14, 1,500 kilometers, 800 miles uh, or so, and, and uh, three days of rest, uh, and then we pick up the story. I think I'll just read a few verses quickly from uh, chapter two, um, and I'll pick up at verse 11. Here he is uh, after his uh, three months of traveling. I went to Jerusalem, Nehemiah chapter two, verse 11. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I'd not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me, no horses, except the one I was riding on. Then for a few verses, he tells us about his journey around the various broken down gates and parts of the city. Picking up at verse 16, the officials did not know where I'd gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Verse 17, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. Heavenly Father, would you just help us for a few minutes? Would you speak to our hearts as a family together? Amen. So today we, we step right into the shoes of Nehemiah. I'm preaching in my slippers this morning in my front room, but I'm in the shoes of Nehemiah. I want you to get into his shoes as well. I want to understand God can use ordinary people like you and like me every day of our lives. Today we've heard from Joe and Amy taking their next steps. I don't think they would call themselves extraordinary people. What about our lives? What about the decisions we're making to live for Jesus, to build together with God's people? I was in a Zoom call earlier this week with Joseph Wheeler, the African apostle, uh, responsible for hundreds of churches across, across Zambia, Tanzania, Congo. It was great to catch up with Joseph, to share stories, to pray together. He said to me, are you finding in this COVID pandemic, are your people shrinking back and holding on to what they have and playing safe? Or are, they, are you finding your people are taking godly risks in these months? What a thrill it was to agree with him. Do you know what? God's given us a people who are prepared to take risks, who are prepared to look for opportunities to push out into all that he has for them. I had the privilege on Thursday night. I was with Ken and Valentina. They were introducing me to one of their friends, a, a guy who's an apostle over a whole family of churches out way east in Ukraine. Uh, and again, he shared similar things uh, that in a, in a time uh, where in eastern Ukraine, uh, the, the war over the last six or seven years has meant that the church, the strong church they were building has had to scatter 
he spoke about these wonderful opportunities. Do you know what he said to me? He said, war has been good for us. Can you believe that? Could you imagine saying, hey, this pandemic's been good for us? He didn't mean the war's been good in any way. What he meant is we've discovered our mission as the people of God. He said, Ukrainians love to stay where they are. He said, I, I, was, I was brought up in a village with no train station. And yet now we're spread all over the world, not because we're refugees, but because God has scattered his disciples and is planting churches. Church, what are we building? What are we stepping into? How is God using our ordinary lives to not shrink back and hold on, but to press in and look for opportunities for the kingdom? Nehemiah in this story, can I just hear an amen there, by the way? Amen. Yeah, that's good. Nehemiah in this story, he's not a priest. He's not a prophet. He, he's an ordinary man. If you want to express it in these terms, he was in a secular job. He was a cup bearer to the pagan king in Babylon. Go back and listen to Ken. Last week, he was superb on the kind of time span. Uh, and he reminded us these people in exile, they weren't thinking of returning. This was their lives. They'd settled for almost 100 years. They'd had no leader among them. This is Nehemiah's context. Like many of us, he could have just tried to serve God quietly. Just keep your head down. Just live for God at home. Just do your job. Take your wages. Uh, hope for the best. Just keep it quiet. Keep a lid on it. But no, kingdom breakout starts with someone. It starts when a, a man or a woman put themselves in the hands of God in prayer. Do you think Joe and Amy have come to the point where they've shared their news this morning from a standing start? Of course they haven't. Even the story they've told of the, of the last uh, 10, 11 months or so, it goes way back before then. They've learned something of the secrets of Nehemiah. We get to put ourselves in the story. We get to learn to listen to the voice of God. Some of you, even as children, have heard God speak and whisper and put names and places on your hearts. God spoke to me about the nations when I was in Sunday school in the Salvation Army as a young boy under the age of six. It starts when we begin to listen, when we begin to pray, when we begin to make plans, when we begin to ex expect God to accelerate his purposes, and most crucially, when we become a people like Nehemiah who are ready to act on it. You know, there are plenty of people around life and around, certainly around churches, who can see the problems, uh, people who are aware of the challenges, people who are ready to give an opinion. Um, we've even got people who can make plans. But God loves the ones who, who say, here I am. God, send me. I'm putting my shoes on. I'm taking action. I think God even loves the impulsive ones who seem to go off like a shot and get it wrong. Jonah went the opposite direction. Hey, God loved Jonah. God worked through his circumstances to steer him. But just get moving. What makes believers so powerful in the hands of God is this attitude of, of Nehemiah. Those who won't stop at just recognizing the call. Those who won't stop at facing the challenge or counting the cost or even in the planning stage. But those who will take action. We think of Nehemiah today, but you could pick Abraham, who left his father's house without knowing where he was going. Or Moses, who left his, his uh, prosperous business up in the wilderness with his father-in-law's sheep to go back to Egypt to take up his true leadership call. Or, or Jonathan, who kind of led in a bit of a vacuum while his father Saul was wasting his kingship and hiding under a pomegranate tree in the face of the enemy. And it was Jonathan who said, come on, let's go up up this cliff let's go up to this philistine outpost and see what god might do maybe in the new testament you think of philip who went down into samaria because of persecution and with signs and wonders and salvation and great joy in the city maybe you think of paul who planned 
and prayed for years to get to Rome and onto Spain with the gospel, but found that it was through arrest and through shipwreck. Believers here in Crawley today, it's a powerful thing to put yourself into the plans of God, into the shoes of a disciple like Nehemiah, and then to take action in accordance with the call of God. So what about us, church? Just in these few minutes we have jumping into this precious text in the middle of the story. I love that verse in in uh, in chapter in verse 11 of of chapter two. I, I went to Jerusalem. I stayed there three days, uh, just three days after a long journey. And, and then in his own heart, he settles it. He has this night exploring the broken down city. He's known the problem from a distance way back in Susa. He could have backed away at that point. He could have told God, hey, could you make it someone else's problem? Isn't there a guy a bit nearer at hand who could pick this up for you, Lord? Isn't there someone in Paris that could do what Joe and Amy are being called to do? No, Nehemiah came. He returned to his home city that he never lived in. Only his ancestors had lived in. He immediately owns the situation. This cupbearer begins to act like a great leader. He walks the city at night. He surveys the problems. He probably makes drawings. Certainly he's making plans. He's assessing the strengths and weaknesses, uh, the areas of the, of the city that are vulnerable to an attack. He's getting an idea of what building materials are available to me from this rubble uh, that's on the ground. He's looking at the size and the scale of the task. This is a big night for Nehemiah. And what follows in the story um, we'll come to it in later weeks. It's amazing. But it's this night with Nehemiah on his horse or his donkey where things get settled in his heart. It's this night where he sets his face. He could have slipped away. He's not told anyone yet. Um, it's this night where he faces his fears and takes action. I, I think it's, it's, it's um, Nehemiah's burning bush moment or his Mount Carmel like Elijah or his Gethsemane. And friends here today in the Crawley Church, you, you may be a cup bearer. You may be an office worker. You could be a stay-at-home mum with tiny children. You might be caring for the elderly or the sick. Maybe right now you're facing unemployment after a time of furlough. I'm asking you today as disciples of Jesus, will we put ourselves in the dusty shoes of Nehemiah, into the hands of a God who's called us? Will we spend a night in prayer this week? Will we walk around the walls of our lives, of your family, of your service for the Lord, of your call, maybe of the walls of this church? family and community there's no other way through we can't have the rebuilding that is to come without these moments alone in the dust and the rubble of our um, half-built hopes and dreams in God this is where it gets formed in our spirits this is where the work of construction and the promise begins to grow from remember Nehemiah has not even shared this stuff with the people who are going to do the building work the construction work those who are in the city already those who've lost heart because they've been there so long and, and not seen the building work uh, begin to start. But in verse 16, having settled it in his heart, um, he now knows there's, I'm here now. There's no point delaying. He doesn't do a survey of the people. He doesn't say, hey, can I just ask your opinion? Can I get a sense? No, he knows they're weary. They're defeated. He's got his mission. He's measured the task. If he invites them to share their perspective at this point, they'll probably bring him down with all the reasons why he shouldn't try what he's going to do. If only a few who've traveled with him, they probably already know his heart. He's probably already shared that with him. I was thinking about these uh, these verses this week and it reminded me of our first church plant. When Kaz and I were 25 years old 
baby Noah was three months old. We moved up to Oldham in North Manchester. Church planting can be a bit like this. We, when we arrived, there were some good believers scattered in little groups around Oldham, but they were so weary because they'd not seen the work built up. And we spoke, it was just us and one other family, Andy and Liz, um, who were going to lead the, the church and us, <laughs> the other family, we were going to help them. Uh, and we did. Uh, and uh, I remember going with Andy and we went to see the guy who, who ran the Christian bookshop mm. in Oldham. Uh, and he looked us up and down, me and Andy, and he said, yeah, you'll fail. Um, you won't last a winter here. We've seen people like you come and we've seen people like you go before. It's really hard in Oldham. Wow. That was his report over us. And uh, Jay was right. It was really hard there. But he was speaking out of his weariness and his brokenness. Do you know, we heard similar reports when God called us years later down to serve in East Grinstead. People there said, wow, it's really hard here. It's a strange place to build. Believe it or not, when God called us to come over here and lead the team in Crawley, we, we heard again reports, Crawley's a hard place to build church. Nobody breaks through there. Hey, listen, sometimes it's just like that. We recognize wherever God sends us to, it sometimes takes a fresh group, a fresh perspective to lift heads and lift hearts and restart the work. There comes a point to engage those who are weary. Nehemiah 2.17, then I said to them, says Nehemiah, he starts with his vision. He, he gets them to own it just like he has. That's why it's so important to tell the stories and share our hearts. He says, you see the trouble we're in. He's not pretending. Our city, look around, our city's in ruins. We've got burned down gates. But now he says, and there's faith rising, come, let us build. Oh, are you feeling faith rising in your hearts this morning, church, with the rubble of our lives, the confusion of half-built life and church and uh, no question, no answers to so many of the questions we have. But in our spirits, there's rising a response. Come, let us build. God's hand is with us, Nehemiah says. And then he tells the story. Listen to how God spoke to a pagan king and how he released me with these resources. And here I am. Faith rises. The faith response of the people to this kind of leadership is seen here in verse 18. Let us start this work. Um, in another translation I was studying earlier this week, they say, let us rise up and build. Just say rise up and build wherever you are. Well done. Rise up and build. That's what we're looking for in these days where it's hard where we feel so broken down. Rise up in fresh faith, friends. Remember the call of God. Recall what he's asked us to build here in Crawley and beyond. We remember again on days like today when we're ready to release another family. That's why he's gathered us here. It's the kind of church he's asked us to build and grow, where we bless as much as we build. Verse 18 of chapter 2, so they began this good work. Or again, I think in the New Living I've been enjoying reading this week, it says they strengthened their hands for the work. How strong are your hands, church? I think it's probably a practical and spiritual strengthening in the likeness of Nehemiah, their leader, who had got himself in his spirit ready in private. Now they each did the same. Can I encourage you, church? Keep on strengthening yourselves in the Lord in these days. Your private prayer, your personal worship of God, your fellowship with others, your small group. Hey, even these big Sunday online meetings. Don't give up on them, even though online's hard and imperfect. How about this week? You make a phone call to someone. You knock on somebody's door. Take a friend for a coffee um, and encourage one another. Keep going with the practices that bring strength to our weary hearts and to those uh, around us. We need each other right now. Don't allow yourself or others to get isolated. 
And then practically, I think they got ready for action. They prepared. They did what we've all done in the night and they changed the times on their clocks. We're going to get up in the morning, they said. We heard the master plan. We're, we're going to make plans now for our part of the construction. They set aside resources. They got their tools out. That was a great word from Ali earlier. I think it's even for more than just Joe and Amy. They laid aside their other priorities. They got ready. How do we know this? Well, read on into chapter three this afternoon in your own time. Every family seems to be named around the city, every part of the city. It's like going around Crawley and speaking. I love hearing Tony Grover pray. Tony loves to pray around the neighborhoods of Crawley. That's what's going on here in Nehemiah 3. Every kind of person, every ordinary person who thought they had nothing to contribute and now mentioned here in the scriptures as they bring life to the city, as they come together in this moment to play their part in the building of the wall. Each family, each individual, it's not just about Nehemiah. They all put themselves in his shoes. They took hold of the vision and God's mission. They woke up from their sleep. How have we been satisfied to live amongst this rubble for so long? Friends, I, I believe a church like ours truly impacts our city and beyond when the whole family of the church carries and works with the vision that maybe once was just held by leaders in prayer in the secret place of their hearts. It's part of what God's been doing here in us, I think, isn't it? As we reflect back on 2020 now. And, and even the back end of the year before, sending the Druze, sending the Baileys, now releasing Joe and Amy to another part of the wall in Paris, giving away, I don't know, we're going to find out in a moment how much we've given away in 2020, maybe 75, 80,000 pounds. It started with a whisper in the ear of leaders, but then it grows and gets carried by the whole family. And look at how it works. Nehemiah's band of brothers and sisters, they built the whole wall back up in 52 days, 52 days. I think they began to realize it's not about the wall so much as the reconstruction that's going on in their hearts and lives together as God's people. Hey, hasn't that been true of us through this year? It's not been about the 2020 goals. It's been about what God's doing in our hearts. I was reading this week in 1535. So I don't know, 2000 years or so after this Nehemiah moment, Jerusalem was part of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, Sultan Suleiman ordered the ruined city walls on, this, on the same plan were to be rebuilt. Do you know how long it took Sultan Suleiman with all his might and power? It took him four years to rebuild these walls. One, one set of walls were built with slaves and hired hands. One was built with God's people in 52 days who completely owned the vision. And in their hearts, they knew they were building for God. God accelerates such a work. We don't just release Joe and Amy and say, well, they were, uh, they're like the Baileys. They're like the Drews. They're exceptional. But we say, hey, it may look different in my life. It may look different in my core. I may never leave Crawley. Or maybe I've got China in my heart but I'm going to live and I'm going to serve with the same vision. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, pass me some tools. Lead me to a bit of the wall that I can build. We need each other, church. We're not asking you to fill Joe's shoes or Amy's shoes. You certainly don't want to walk in my shoes. Uh, I don't think you'd fit into Cassie's shoes. But, but God's called you and you get to respond. And so we rise up and build together. I'm just urging you this week, strengthen yourselves. There's much to do as we care for one another. As we care for Crawley, these are dark days. I mean, they literally are dark days. Can I urge you, please give yourself to prayer this week. For me, in my own heart, I'm, I'm just sensing from the Holy Spirit when we finish the Wednesday night meeting that's all about Joe and Amy and their story. I'm just going to give myself to a couple of hours of prayer later that night. I want to strengthen myself in the, wall, in the Lord. I want to look at the gaps in the wall 
I want to ask God to use me and use you and your unique tools. I'm going to pray about our finances, our businesses, our ministries, our outreach with the gospel. I'm going to pray about our pastoral care. I'm going right around the walls here, our, our kids' church, our teenagers, our older people, those who are isolated and sick and vulnerable. I'm going to pray about our love your neighbor stuff and our acts of mercy. Beloved, I'm just asking you to rise up with me and look for your space in the wall. Later on, and we're moving to a finish now, uh, in, if you read chapter 14, I would imagine Daniel will get there next week, perhaps chapter four. These are days to rally together, church. Uh, it says in chapter four, even though they were very spread out around the walls, widely separated from one another, there are trumpet blast moments. It's a time for us to fight for relationships, to protect and serve one another in kindness, care, help, support. With the elders team just this week, we've been thinking and praying through some ideas that can support further the, the structures we have for care in our community in these, in these pandemic days. Church family, this crisis is very real. Honestly, you've heard me say this before, it's true still today. I've never led like this before. It's way beyond my capacity as a leader. It's way beyond our experience and our resources as a team. Um, it feels at times that we, we're in the picture that you see later in chapter four says they're working every day from early till late. They're always on guard. We're, we're fighting in our spirits for joy each day to trust God through the day and in the night when we're awake with anxiety. It says they slept where they worked. They never left the city. They never took off their clothes. Even when they were going for water and rest and meals, they were on high alert. We're living in a very intense time right now. It's so hard. These are serious times. And disciples of Jesus Christ have to get serious, hold on to God, and hold on to one another we're, we're way beyond our normal limits but let me finish with this god has called and god has spoken as joe said we, we've way long ago since decided to settle it in our hearts here's this phrase we've been using for a few years now he's given us a vision which outweighs our resources our only limit is whether we believe our generous god wants to love crawley and beyond through the likes of us can i ask you to stand together let's hold hands. if you've got people in your house hold their hand come on let's have a 1980s christian fellowship moment here and just if you're on your own wow we miss you we'd love to be able to embrace you right now don't feel alone in your heart you're part of this family we love you we care about you. on facebook we're so grateful you're with us this morning we, we we extend our hands to you right now maybe you even want to whatsapp a friend that you can see on the zoom is, is on their own right now so i love you i'm praying for you right now come on someone hold my hand here come in big fella thank you well church i want to thank you for not limiting god because of any limit of our resources or our experience i want to thank you for fighting through weariness and anxiety for loving jesus for loving one another for demonstrating what it means to love cruelly uh, for for responding to our imperfect leadership as we work together to believe god for a glorious wall and church built here in Crawley and beyond and friends it's jesus we come to 
we're not just reading these Old Testament stories to inspire us. It's not a hero story about Nehemiah. It points us to Jesus Christ. He's the author and perfecter. He's the great leader. He's the one who we rise up in. He's the one who we strengthen ourselves in. He's the one who brings us all out of our exiles and builds for himself a people. He's building a new and living temple, which he loves to dwell in by his spirit. It's his work and his mission that we're caught up in. So I just want to encourage you, lift your heart to the Lord now in response for a moment. Just pray for others that are in the room with you. Pray for those you see on the screen. Pray around the walls. Pray for those on Facebook. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, come to him now. Give your life to him. Oh, you can rely on him so fully. Just pray a simple prayer saying, I trust in you, Jesus. Help me to follow you now. Please let us know you've done that. Church family, wherever you are around the walls, around the gates of this city, Wherever you're watching, even later this week, just begin to pray now for the saints before we come back together again. Amen.